gentlemen, thank you. You know, their blessings come in many sizes and, you know, just many ways you don't expect. <laughs> you know, one of the blessings of Jeff messing his back up is I don't have to respond to Jeff's introduction because sometimes those get a little bit out of hand when he introduces me. So, you know, <sighs> appreciate, you know, just to say, Jim Miller is going to preach for us. That's good. That'll do the trick. <laughs> Tuesdays are always fun, you know, in the weekends, or the Friday chapels, we get the tourists, you know, the folks that are come from all over the country, just come through for the intensive classes and that sort of stuff. You guys are the troopers, man. You're here week after week after week, so Tuesdays are always fun. It's kind of like family chapel on Tuesday kind of thing, so thanks for being here. Now, every year at this time of year, the beginning of November, I think three things. You want to hear them? Oh, okay. All right. Here we go. Three things. Here we go. I love it. I mean, I absolutely love it when it's dark outside at 530, said no one ever. (laughs) Second thing I think, beginning of November each year, dude, who stole my October? I mean, you know, the semester starts, and it's a new academic year, and you kind of get into rhythm things, and the next thing you know, there's kids trick-or-treating at the door, and here you are. It's November. When I grew up, we had October in this country, and I don't know where it went, but it just seemed to just, and it's gone. The third thing, I think, and a bit more serious this time, I like it when I get to the beginning of November, because for me, it's it's sort of a signal to kind of begin gearing myself mentally and emotionally and spiritually and whateverly way for what comes at the end of the month in the Thanksgiving holiday. Now, whatever you think of the Thanksgiving holiday and its roots and the crass mess we've made it because it's become so commercialized, I like the idea that there's a time we set aside and that we can prepare for that we just stop and give thanks to God. Now, we do this in a whole host of ways with other issues. I mean, we have a season of the Christian year where we prepare and anticipate that day when we remember and celebrate our Savior's birth. Now, that's not the only day in the year we think about Jesus' birth and so on, but we just, because we want this to be something that forms who we are as a people, we set aside that day and that season of preparation for it. And we do the same thing with Jesus' death and resurrection. We have a season of preparation and anticipation to get, to, to get us ready for that one weekend. Now, again, that's not something that we think about or celebrate. We celebrate that every time we gather here for the Eucharist. And hopefully this is something that's part of, you know, every day. We're, we're people of a raised and throned Lord. But we build that into our year and who we are as Christians because we want to absorb that. We want to become people who are shaped by that. When I get to the beginning of November each year, I think, not Easter, Thanksgiving's coming. And I really want to begin to anticipate and, and build into my life preparation for that. It's not that's the only time, obviously, I, I ever give thanks to God. But it's something that we can set aside, devote ourselves to, so that it can be the things that grips us and, and shapes us to who we are. 
Now, giving thanks is, is not some optional thing. Like, Dawn prepares the worship service, and I've got a bucket over here that can be praised, and, you know, Thanksgiving we want to hear. Obviously, it's deeply, in Thanksgiving, deeply entwined with worship, and we'll look at some of that from the Scripture here in a moment. And it's something that, as Jeff touched on when he launched us into our service here, that depends on circumstances. Depended on circumstances, we'd be in trouble. I mean, just think of the names of the hurricanes that have passed through this part of the world in the last few months. I mean, you get those names together, we've got a whole extended family here. I mean, just one after the other, and you can go on to recent events, whether it's the terrorist attack in New York or what happened to our brothers, sisters in Christ in a small crossroad town outside of San Antonio. It's not dependent on circumstances. Scripture in no way qualifies giving thanks as something reserved for when everything is going well. Because giving thanks is a response to God and who God is. It's not a response to our circumstances. Now, I'm going to talk about it this way, that I believe thanksgiving is a core spiritual discipline. It's something we just need to build into our our daily life and our practice of what it means to, to walk in Jesus' footsteps and follow Jesus. Now, when I talk about um, Thanksgiving as a core spiritual discipline, that says something. You, know, you can't have 25 core anything. I mean, once you get to however many, I will pick out 25, it sort of ceases to be core. I mean, when you're saying something's core, this is essential, like having a, a three-leg stool. If you pull one of those out, thing doesn't work. It falls over. It's a core spiritual discipline that's something that should, is just appropriate and proper to our response to God, not on just special occasions, but at all times. Now, I want to look at one text where you can see just how central this is. Now, I know you're seminary students and you work at a seminary, so you've got the Bible memorized, but if you don't want to show off, you can turn here to uh, Romans chapter 1, and I'll read this. We're not going to spend a lot of time with this. But I want to emphasize how central this issue of of giving thanks to God is. Now, Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Now, this is probably the most succinct description of sin in its essence that we get in Scripture. This is Paul talking about Adam and Eve. And here's what he says about them. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks. Interesting. The whole origin of sin, it's a worship issue. It's a refusal to worship, a misplaced worship. But sin, in its very essence, is a worship issue. And right here, honoring God as God and giving thanks are two sides of the same coin, really. That The whole mess really begins right there with a a, a failure to properly recognize who God is. And that starts off the whole mess. Now, if I could describe what I would, I would hope that we can do and become and God can do among us over the course of these weeks now leading up to the Thanksgiving holiday, I'm going to describe it this way, that we just marinate in gratitude. Now, apologies if I've got some folks here that don't eat meat. Uh, I have to do this battle with my daughter who doesn't eat meat on these kind of things, so I remember But you know what happens when you marinate a piece of meat? Stick it in that dish, and it sits there overnight, and while I'm just, it's just soaking in, soaking up into that meat. So by the time you come to the next day and begin to cook, you really can't separate that flavoring. 
and that meat. It's just all in one of the same thing. I hope I can use the, the days that are coming here to just marinate in gratitude that just becomes part of not just who I am, but who is where I was a family, hopefully who we are as a community here at Asbury and our, our local communities of faith elsewhere. But I hope this can be something that, again, we absorb until it just defines who we are. You can't talk about who we are apart from this. Now, I think, obviously, this is something true for us at all times, every time, and so on, but I think this is particularly true. <coughs> Let me not particularly true, because I don't think you can say it's particularly true at any time. It just always is true. But I want to say about one way I think it really applies to us in our contemporary circumstances. And to do this, I'm going to have to make an analogy. Ready? I think, agree or disagree, and I have things I disagree with Bill Clinton on and things I agreed with him on, so you can't just get it simplistically. But Bill Clinton, I think, is rightly recognized as one of the most skilled political figures in generations, maybe, of American political leaders. That was because he was known how he called, talked about triangulate, but he could just have this sort of innate sense of how to kind of maneuver and bring people together and, and just negotiate his way through, and you couldn't hardly explain it. It's almost like it was just this innate sense and feel he could get for things. Now, one of the things Clint, what he was criticized for is they said, well, you know, he just campaigns all the time. You know, it used to be that you ran a campaign once you got elected, then you governed. But he just seems to never stop campaigning. Now, I read a, uh, an analysis of this that I really agree with, and here's what it was. Clinton, given his kind of innate sense of what's going on, was in a place when we had a transition in media. Like up to that point when I grew up, which is actually, believe it or not, before the 90s, just saying, you may find that hard to believe. But you got the news every night, you know, my father came home from work, had dinner, you turned on the TV. You had one of three choices of a TV station with the national news, you know, and you get Walter Conkright signing off, and that's the way it is, and he gave the date and so on. So you could get your news at night that way, or the next morning you got a newspaper thrown in your driveway. Now, of course, to get it into print form, it was the same news that you could have got last night on the television. But the way the news worked was basically you had one point where news came out and so on, and you just anticipated the way this went. Now, when Clinton comes into office, you have cable TV, just now coming into vogue, and CNN. So instead of the news sort of being every night where you can kind of get out in front of it through the day, news was 24 hours. And unless people were going to get out in front of you and define things for you, you had to constantly be out there broadcasting and talking about what you're doing. In other words, what Clinton recognized and what he did was a new medium, a new environment. i got to change the way I go about this. In other words, the medium didn't just shape the message. It shaped the messenger, too. We live in a time with a whole lot of new media as well. And it comes around, I joke with some of you folks, I'll see you in the hallway on your phones, and I go, ah, these teenagers, you know. But we think somehow we pass wisdom along in 160 characters. Or we take a very complex issue and we put something up on Facebook that's, you know, not even 160 characters, and we think, wow, got them. And it, it, the, I think somehow the medium is just making us mean and angry 
Now, I'll confess I'm, I'm a wandering Aramean politically. I'm just homeless anymore. But I look at stuff in social media and I go, I don't want to be that. I just don't want to be that. Now, you can go on and look down in Romans 1 and see, you know, what he spoke about Adam and Eve was claiming to be wise, they were actually fools. And I'm wondering sometimes if our social media doesn't do that. I'm not saying don't be politically involved. But I'm wondering if the medium is not just shaping the message, but it's also shaping its messengers. I think at this time, a people who are marinated in gratitude can offer a countercultural alternative to what just runs this place anymore. Not this place, Asbury, this country. I hope we can become that kind of people because I'm concerned that the medium is moving us, natural divisions that would come up among us and making us focus on them and saying, I can, I can top that insult. Ah! May we become a, a, a countercultural people. Now, one of the things that's true about being marinated is we don't marinate ourselves. You know, you get the little thing of seasoning and you take the brush and, you know, kind of wipe it over yourself. You know, you get a big long one, scratch your back, this kind of stuff. You don't self-marinate. God's got to do the marinating, all right? But I do think there's things that we can do to get ourselves in the place where God can be free to work, spiritual practices and so on. I mean, obviously, there's one praying. If God's going to do this, ask God. God, help me just to gain a new perspective, just to see people and see circumstances and see things through your eyes. Have you ever had something that just woke you up and go, never thought about it that way before? I read a, a better book review. Um, apparently, you know, 1517, we're 500 years from the Reformation. Apparently, 1517, we're coming up on the 500th year anniversary of Leonardo da Vinci who invented pizza or something. He's famous. Anyways, uh, there's been a, a number of biographies published of da Vinci. And I read one, and they were talking with the author. It was an interview. And they said, can you take a genius? Because he was, like, way outside of his time. Can you take, what, what would happen if you took that sort of genius and you brought it up and, and planted him in today? Would that genius transfer? What would Leonardo think if you took him from 500 years ago and brought him here today. The guy said, well, I think Leonardo's first response was he would be amazed that there's all these people so old running around. Second, that there's all these people running around that are so old and have such good health. And probably third, there's all these people running around who are so old and have such good health, and they have teeth. They still have teeth. I think he would have been shocked. Huh, never thought about it that way. But if you come from another time, I mean, we just don't realize what we live with and how much we have. It's a change of, a change of perspective. God, change my perspective. I may, giving thanks may be part of my life. I want to go the next step. God, can you begin to work this in me? And obviously, there's the, the whole issue of just, you know, get the concordance out. Go to the Psalms. Just full of some great stuff with Thanksgiving. Let me read you one. It's five verses from Psalm 100 from the NIV. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Woo! All the earth. 
Worship to the Lord, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. Now, notice this for the beginning of worship. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. This is coming into the temple. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You can pick up, you can can marinate and stew in what's there in the psalm. Memorize some of this stuff. And the text we read this morning, you can do this. Go to Paul's letters. Romans, 1 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians. We looked at Philippians, Colossians. Open with these sorts of thanksgivings. And just stew there for a while in the sauce. This is Paul, chained in a Roman prison. I thank my God every time. Every time I remember you. And all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. You see the perspective on these folks he's writing to. There's a lot bigger fish that God's frying in relationship to these people that sent me the gift and brought me this letter. And that is what empowers and fills Paul's prayer. It's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, and I can go on. Now, think circumstances. Chained in a Roman prison, you're dependent upon people bringing you food and sustenance and taking care of you. You're just stuck. Now, I think what I would encourage us to do, take these kind of scriptures and, as I said, memorize them, go through some of the stuff. I don't know how you read the Psalms without reading them loud. You know, the neighbors kind of wonder what's going on. Read them loud. Some of these passages, the introduction to Paul's letters, we just need to read slow and just absorb. But what I want you to do to marinate in these in slowing down is not just you use this for fodder, for prayer, but beyond this. God, help me to, to adopt the mindset that prays this kind of way. Maybe to be pray like Paul does in Philippians or, or in Colossians, but to be the kind of person that you could shape me. Or my family can be shaped in this way. Or we as a community can be shaped this way. That we just pray like this. Stuff that Paul didn't pray, but we're going to pray because it's in the same spirit because we've been marinated in gratitude. And that's the kind of people that God has made us. Giving thanks is a core spiritual discipline. Man, I trust that in the month to come, joyfully, with shouts to the Lord, and times may just quiet, go off on your own, that God will, will make us a people of gratitude. It goes right in to just permeate every core of who we are. May God, may God be it, make it so among us. In these days, in these weeks now, as we work our way up to a day where we stop and pause and give thanks. Let's pray together. Lord, good things happen because you do them. 
in our lives and among us. May we become really people who, who, who are light to the world because there's things that isn't that we're, we're not involved in the, the everyday issues around us, but we're involved in such a way because we just leak gratitude. It just oozes out of us because your Holy Spirit is infused in us and marinated us in just how good you really are about how your loving kindness goes on forever and ever. And that that's become something that's true of us because that's proper in a response to you, but something that's true of us that others can see because others need to see it because you are good. In Jesus' name, amen.